Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the privilege it is to gather in your name that we know you, the heavenly God, the one who created us and created all things, and that you also allow us to gather in your name and hear your voice. Lord, we pray that we may listen carefully as we look into your word this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit may be helping me to convey a clear understanding of what your word said so many years ago through the Apostle Peter. Lord, we pray that it may be an encouragement for us this morning. And we pray that any non-Christians who may be here this morning, we pray that they may understand the, the wonderful gospel truth that is contained in your word about the peace that we can have with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we all recognise that greeting one another is important, that giving greetings to those around us are important. It's always a delight to receive greetings from others, whether it be by by mail or by person, or even these days by email. I have a retired pastor who I met at a previous church uh, when I was a student, who emails me every so often just to see how I'm going. He sends me some greetings. He says, I'm interested as to what you're up to, Joel. And it's always nice to receive those emails. They come probably once every six months that he wants to check up and see what I'm doing and send me some greetings from him and some blessing from God. And it's genuinely encouraging when other people greet us. We are personal creatures made in the image of God who is a personal God within himself. God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He is personal in his nature. And if we are made in his image, then it's not surprising that we are personal and like interaction with other people as well. And one of the ways that we interact with people is by when we first meet them, we greet them in particular ways. And we like to receive those greetings. So it's not surprising that Peter, in this letter that we've slowly worked through for many weeks, at the end of the letter, he also employs the encouragement of greetings at the end of his letter. And that's what we'll be looking at today. If you've got a church Bible there, I encourage you to have it open to page 1203, 1203, and we'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, and looking at the subject of greetings and how greetings are helpful for the early church and for us today. The question then, if we're looking at greetings, is who sends greetings via Peter? In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, who sends greetings? And that brings me to my first main point this morning. Peter gives greetings from Christians outside the local church. If you want to see my main points, they're there on the back of the church bulletin and you can follow along. I have six main points this morning. And the first main point is that Peter gives greetings from Christians outside the local church. Who are these Christians outside the local church? Well, firstly, we see one introduced in verse 13. It says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Someone in Babylon, a she, is sending greetings. Is this person a Christian? Well, yes. How are they described in verse 13? It says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you. What does it mean to be chosen together with others? Well, in the Bible, to be chosen is to be a Christian, to be someone that God chose to belong to his kingdom. And so clearly this person who is in Babylon is a Christian. This she who is in Babylon is a Christian that sends greetings to the other churches via Peter 
through this letter. What else do we know about this person? Well, they're in Babylon. What does it mean that they're in Babylon? Does it mean that this person is in the literal place of Babylon? Well, no. Because in the first century when Peter was writing, Babylon was a very small place. And there's no record that Peter ever went to the city of Babylon. And there's no record that there was even a church in Babylon at this time as well. So it's very unlikely that Peter is saying people who are, that there's a Christian here in Babylon, the place of Babylon, sending you greetings. So why does Peter say Babylon if he doesn't mean Babylon? Well, we know that the word Babylon, the name Babylon, was used to, as a symbol for another city. And we see this in the book of Revelation. John, the apostle, writes in Revelation about a city called Babylon. And he's not meaning the literal city of Babylon. Basically, he's referring to a wicked, evil city. And that actually became a common thing to do amongst the Jews, is to refer to wicked cities, cities of power, as Babylon. Why did the Jews pick on Babylon? Well, Babylon was a city that did conquer the Jews much earlier. It was a much larger place, and it came and conquered the Jews back in the Old Testament. And so then because the Babylonians came and they took away the Jews to exile in Babylon and then they allowed them to return, there was this long history of domination by the the Babylonians that the Jews started to refer to any city or any major city of power and hostility towards them as Babylon. And so then it's not surprising that Peter, as a Jew converted to Christianity, also refers to cities that are powerful and hostile to Christianity as Babylon. So what city would he be in? Where is Peter? Well, the best guess is that he's in Rome. What was Rome at this time? Rome is the capital of the empire. Rome is the city with all the power at that time and of course Rome is also known to be hostile to Christianity. It's not only a powerful city, it's a hostile city to Christianity. In Acts chapter 28-22 we see that Jews in Rome say to Paul, but we want to hear what your views are about Christianity for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. Everybody in Rome is talking against this sect, and that is in the time of Paul and, of course, the time of Peter. So is Rome a powerful city? Yes, like Babylon was. Is Rome a city that is hostile to Christianity, like Babylon was hostile to the Jews? Yes. Is there evidence that Peter actually went to Rome? Yes. There is good evidence that Peter was in Rome at the time that the letter was written. And so it is very likely that the the person that is said to be in Babylon is actually in Rome. Now, who is the she? Well, the feminine pronoun she was often used to refer to a church. You would call the church a she, just like we use the feminine pronoun for lots of other things, like a a country can be a she, a ship can be a she. Um, So it is likely that he is talking about a church, the church in Rome, so to speak. He is saying the church in Rome, in Babylon, that hostile city, is sending you greetings. So we see here that Peter is sending greetings from people outside the local church, from another church, in a particularly wicked and 
powerful city to people who are scattered throughout the, the, uh, the empire of Rome. Who else does he send greetings from as well? Not just the Roman church, but he also sends greetings from someone else in verse 13. What does it say in verse 13? She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Who is Mark? You might say, oh, well, obviously, it's his son, his literal son. No, but people can be referred to as sons if they're disciples, very close disciples of people. We see that with Paul. He talks about Timothy and Titus being his sons. And so who is this Mark? Mark? Well, it is Mark John. It is the disciple that followed Peter around a lot. We know a fair bit about Mark John. We know that his other name was John from uh, one of the Gospels. We also know that his mother was called Mary, another Mary to add to your list of Marys in the Bible. Uh, she was probably fairly wealthy because she had a, a house where people could actually meet in the, in, as a prayer meeting in her house and the church could meet in her house. So it is a, uh, she's obviously a fairly wealthy woman. Uh, he was also a cousin of Barnabas. Colossians 4 verse 10 tells us that, that he was the cousin of Barnabas. Mark also has a bit of a history as someone that caused a sharp disagreement between Barnabas and Paul, and so that they actually separated and, uh, and they weren't able to work together, Barnabas and Paul, for a time. But then we also see that he, uh, he reconciled in Colossians 4.10, where Mark is actually with Paul again, we see that Mark actually uh, was uh, reconciled with Paul. But most importantly, what do we know about Mark? Mark is the one who wrote the book we know as Mark's Gospel. He actually wrote part of the New Testament, an important part of the New Testament. I'm not saying that other parts of the New Testament aren't important, but a very important part in that it was one of the earliest Gospels, we think the earliest Gospel, about Jesus Christ that would have been circulating at this time around the Roman Empire. People would have been starting to read Mark's Gospel, which we have today in our Bibles. So Mark is an important figure in the early church, and here he is sending greetings to churches scattered throughout the Roman Empire. Now, why would Peter mention these two people, these, well, a group, a whole church, and then Mark himself sending greetings to these people scattered throughout the Roman Empire? Well, it's to encourage them. Remember, this whole book, as I've said again and again, is written to people who are suffering for being Christians. And if there is anything Peter can do to help them endure the suffering that they are experiencing for being Christians, then Peter wants to do it. And one way that he can encourage them is by sending greetings from the church in Rome and from his son, his disciple, Mark. It would be so encouraging if you're a suffering church to have another suffering church in the hotbed of suffering. I mean, we're talking in Rome itself which is labelled Babylon to show how bad it is over there, that, that church there is sending you greetings. They are suffering themselves, but they are concerned for you and they are praying for you. They want to know how you're doing. That is a wonderful thing for those churches who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire to hear that other churches, particularly the church in Rome, is concerned for them. And not only the church in Rome is concerned for them, the man who wrote Mark's Gospel, which they may have started already reading, he is actually concerned for them as well. He sends them greetings. 
He, he wants to say, hello, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying about you. I'm concerned for you as you suffer for being a Christian. Me, Mark, the one who wrote part of the New Testament, the one who knows Paul, the one who knows Peter, the one who is mixed with the apostles, I'm concerned for you. That would have been very encouraging for these churches to read. Remember how many churches they are. Back in verse 1 we see how many churches they are. In verse 1 we see Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. Large regions of space. They're all receiving greetings from Mark and from the church in Babylon. So Peter... It's not surprising that he starts to send these greetings to try and encourage them from outside the church. But what other greetings does Peter encourage here at the end of the letter as well? He knows the importance of greetings. What other greetings does he encourage? Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. Peter encourages greetings inside the local church. He encourages greetings from outside the local church, that you get people from outside your community to send you greetings to encourage you. But then he also encourages greetings inside the local church as well. And we see that in verse 14. What does he say in verse 14? Greet one another with a kiss of love. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peter wants people within a church to greet one another with a kiss And Paul talks about that as well. He says on a number of occasions that we should kiss one another. Why encourage kissing at a local church? Sounds a bit weird in our Western context uh, that everybody should be kissing one another. Well, why do we kiss? We kiss because we love others. We kiss those that are really dear to us. We kiss family members. And Peter is saying, remember you're a family at church. Your brothers and sisters in Christ, you have spiritual fathers and mothers, your spiritual sons and daughters, and you're related to each other in Christ. And so there should be warmth and affection towards one another in the church. You should greet one another in a warm way. Why would he do this? Why would he say that you should greet one another like your family? Well, because such greetings are important. Warm greetings like kisses, hugs, handshakes, great big smiles to one another when you see each other, friendly words of hello to each other. It's encouraging when you have people greet you warmly. If people greet you coldly, it's not so encouraging. You don't feel as welcome to them. And it's important touch as well. He's saying, touch one another as you greet each other. Be warm and friendly in the way that you see one another at church. And I think this is particularly in a context where people are really suffering for being Christians. Remember, they are getting hurt physically for being Christians. People around them in the outside world are touching them, but in bad ways. They're getting tortured for being Christians. So what does he say? In the church, touch one another in a friendly way so that people understand that there are people around them who love them. Yes, people may hurt them outside the church, but within the church, make sure everybody knows that they're loved and concerned for each other, and not just by the way that they talk about, yes, I love you, but by the way that you greet one another. It's so important when you first see each other, Peter is saying, greet one another in a friendly way. So Peter encourages greetings not just from outside the church, but from inside the church. Any other greetings does Peter give us in this letter? 
Well, there is one last one, and that brings me to my third main point this morning. Peter gives greetings from God. Peter gives greetings from God. And we see that in verse, 13, uh, verse 14. It says in verse 14, Greet one another with a kiss of love. And then how does he finish the letter? Peace to all of you who are in Christ. He says, peace to all of you who are in Christ. Is this a greeting? Well, yes. How do the Jews greet one another? If you know any Hebrew, what's one of the words you know in Hebrew? Shalom. What's shalom mean? Peace. Peace. That's how they greet one another. Peace. Share peace with one another. What is Peter doing here at the end of the letter? He's saying, peace to you. Peace to you from God. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. He wants the people that he is writing to to have a greeting from God. Have peace from God. But it's interesting who he wants to send peace to from God. Because God doesn't give his peace to everyone. Who does God give his peace to? What does it say in verse 14? Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Who are in Christ. Only those who are Christians, who are in Christ, can have the peace of God. People who are outside of Christ, who are not in Christ, do not have God's peace. Why? Because when you sin, you are fighting against God. You're saying, I don't want your laws, God. I want my way. And so you're breaking God's law and you're being an enemy of God. And so, of course, you are at war with God and do not know his peace. But if you repent, if you trust in Jesus Christ, death at the cross for your sins, then you have peace with God because the wrath of God against you for fighting against him is removed by Jesus' death at the cross. The punishment that you deserve is poured out upon Jesus and you are no longer at war with God. Instead, you can receive peace with God. Now, why would Peter say this to the Christians? Surely they know that they have peace from God. Well, they need to be reminded that they have peace with God. It's a sad fact that we so often forget what we have in Christ Jesus. And particularly when we're in pain and suffering for being Christians. Peter wants them to know, yes, you may not have peace with other people around you. You may not have peace with Babylon, with the Roman Empire. But what peace do you have? You have peace with God. So take encouragement. If there's one person that you want to be at peace with, it's got to be God. doesn't matter if you're at war with the Roman emperor himself. If you've got peace with the emperor of the world, then you are at a much better state than if you have peace with the emperor of the Roman Empire. He wants to convey to the Christians, remember that you have peace from God and God sends his peace via me to you. Peace to all of you in Christ Jesus. So what can we learn from Peter's greetings here? He's shown us that he was greeting people. Uh, he was sending greetings from outside the church. He was encouraging greetings inside the church. And he's encouraging a greeting from God to the churches as well. What can we learn? Well, that brings me to my fourth main point this morning. You should give and receive greetings from outside the local church. We should never underestimate the importance of contact with Christians outside our local churches. 
For example, contact with missionaries overseas. We should be encouraging them. As a church, sending greetings to them. We're not in Babylon. We're not in Rome. Um, Although some people may consider Sydney to be Babylon by uh, the standard of uh, living that is here and the power that is here. But we can still send, if we consider ourselves Babylon or not, greetings to missionaries overseas. They need encouragement. They need to know that churches back home are thinking of them, concerned for them, and want to know how they're doing. And you also should be receiving greetings from them as well, learning about what they're doing out there on the mission field to encourage you to stand firm as well. So our missionaries, the custodios in the Philippines and the Ures over in Bolivia, and then the work that Barnabas Fund and Bible League do as well, we should be learning about what they're up to so that we're encouraged that we're not the only ones on the planet that are advancing God's kingdom by sharing the gospel and encouraging each other, that there's other peoples out there and we should be sending them messages of encouragement as well. It's very easy these days with email to send a quick email just saying, praying for you, full stop, that's it, to one of your missionaries. Each time you receive their newsletter, it's worth doing. I do it. It takes no, no time at all. You just say, thanks for your newsletter. Lovely to hear about, and you might want to comment something that's in the newsletter, and then say, I'm praying for you. That's such an encouragement to them. It's a greeting from overseas to them to encourage them in their work. But we should not just even think about missionaries. We should be greeting other churches even here within Australia. Some churches seem to act like they're the, only, they're the kingdom of God in Australia, that we're the only Christians here. We're the only ones who are right And it's not true. We have many, many godly brothers and sisters in Christ in other churches, even very local to us. And we should be encouraging them in their labour. We shouldn't be competing with one another and thinking that somehow we're better than them and we don't want to send them peace. We don't want to greet them. We should be concerned for them and encourage them in their work. And that's why I've been so pleased that we've been establishing a relationship with Stanmore Baptist and Smithfield Baptist so heavily of late. We had a church camp with them earlier this year so that we can get to know people who are here in Sydney working for the kingdom as well and not simply be like we're fighting jealously for people to come to our church and not go to any other church. We need to be encouraging people outside our church as they work hard here in the inner west and in other parts of Sydney for the advancement of God's kingdom. And we need encouragement. We need to hear from them that they struggle in their church in different ways, just like we do. And that encourages us to keep going as well. So we should be encouraging, uh, giving greetings to other churches here, uh, to people outside our church as well, just like Peter did with the church in Babylon greeting churches that were outside of Rome itself as well. What else can we learn from Peter's focus on greetings? Well, my fifth main point is you should give and receive greetings inside the local church. You shouldn't just give greetings to those outside the church and never talk to anybody inside the church. You should be greeting each other in the church. And Des Moines Baptist does this pretty well. I've heard recently from a number of people that have come to our church for the first time that they've been made to feel very welcome while they're here, that they've been greeted quite warmly when they've arrived. And so I encourage you that you're doing well, but I encourage you to keep on doing well. Keep on greeting one another warmly. Now, I'm not saying that you need to kiss one another 
um, as a cultural thing. Uh, it may not necessarily be something you're comfortable with. And I must admit, I'm not one for kissing. I'm flat out kissing my mum these days. Uh, she has to almost beg me for it, and my mother-in-law does have to beg me uh, to kiss her. She has to initiate whenever she wants a hug from me because I'm not the hugging and kissing type. But we can, in Western culture, greet one another in a warm, friendly way without that physical contact if we need to. But sometimes we need to express physical contact to others. Sometimes I will hug people at church or in other contexts because of what? Because they're suffering greatly. I've done it. You know, someone is in great need at a time and I see them and first thing I do is I give them a hug because I know they need a hug. It may not be that someone is physically hurting them, but whatever they're going through, they just need a hug. And so I will do that, and I encourage you to do that as well. Don't underestimate the importance of physical touch. What does Jesus do often with people? He touches them. He wants them to know that he's concerned for them. And so you should as well. It may be that with your cultural background, you like to touch a lot more than other people. You like to kiss. You might not just want to kiss once. You might give two kisses. And for some cultures, I think they do it multiple times. They go back and forth from cheek to cheek. Okay, if that's your cultural background and people will often uh, be content to, uh, to receive that from you, then you should be willing, if there's someone that wants to do that, then they show you that expression of love. But at a minimum, you should be greeting one another as warmly as you can. Big smiles, friendly words, they're important because it encourages people that they're loved here. Particularly, we're all going through different struggles and different trials. And it should be that Sundays when you get together is one of the high points of your week because it's one of the safe places that you can go where everybody loves you and where people are happy to see you. It might be, yes, the rest of the week you don't see people that are happy to see you. Your workplace may be a hostile environment. You may not have many family members or your friends and it's just really hard week to week. You don't want to come to church and it just be another hostile place. The church should be a loving, warm environment for you to come along. Do you make that happen here at Dremoyne Baptist? What else can we learn from Peter's focus on greetings? Well, that brings me to my sixth and last main point this morning. You should give and receive greetings from God. You should do what Peter did and say peace from God to others. You should convey that greeting of peace. You should proclaim the peace that we know in the gospel to those around you. You should do it to Christians. Christians so easily forget the peace that they have in God. That's one of the things I try to do whenever anyone's suffering or in a lot of pain. You bring the attention back to the peace that they have in God. The love that God has for them and has shown by the death of his son to them, for them. But you've got to be careful in proclaiming the peace of God to others. Why? Because not everybody can know the peace of God. Remember what it said there in verse 14. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. You can't proclaim peace to people who are outside of Christ. People who are hostile to God, who want no part of Jesus. If that is you and you're here this morning, then I encourage you to tremble before God. You do not have his peace. While you sin, you are an enemy of God. And that is not a peaceful situation. God does not overlook such hostility. 
one day he will punish you for an eternity of hell for the hostility you have shown him. I encourage you to have God's peace by being in Christ. How do you get into Christ? You turn from your sins. You say sorry to God for what you've done and you trust that Jesus Christ died for you at the cross. You put your trust in Jesus. If you do that, then I can indeed proclaim to you peace to all of you in Christ and you are included in that all. I encourage you to do that. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, trust in Jesus so that you can know God's peace. And if you're a Christian and you're here this morning, encourage those around you to do the same as well, those non-Christians that are in your life. Be clear to them about the lack of peace they have in their lives. So many non-Christians, their lives are complete messes. Not saying that Christians' lives are not complete messes at times as well, but they're often so sad, so unhappy. And you can say to them, why do you think you have no peace in your life? Is it because you're rebelling against your creator? And encourage them to consider their ways and turn to the God who loved the world by giving his son. So do you greet others and receive greetings from others? From those outside the church? Do you contact missionaries? Do you contact other churches? Do you have contact with other Christians? Do you give greetings inside the church and receive greetings from inside the church, from other people? Do you let people welcome you? Or do you want to stand back and keep away? And do you welcome the greetings of God, the peace from God into your life? And then share that peace with others. Proclaim peace from God to those around you. I hope that you do. Let us pray. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the many Christians that you have placed on this planet and that we can warmly greet one another, those outside the church and those inside the church. Lord, we thank you for the warmth that we can feel from the love of your Son, Jesus Christ, conveyed through other brothers and sisters in Christ, from fathers and mothers and daughters and sons in Christ. Lord, we pray that Dremoyne Baptist may be indeed a church that loves to send greetings and particularly send the greeting of peace from you to those around us. May we also be able to proclaim peace to non-Christians. May we tell them that if they change their ways, they can know your peace. May we be clear with them that they do not have your peace while they rebel against you. But Lord, we pray that as they fear your wrath, they may turn to you and know your peace as we proclaim the gospel of peace to them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.